I'm Damian Bulwa. Today on Fifth and Mission, a look at California's war over housing through one small fight in San Francisco's Corona Heights neighborhood. It starts with a home on 17th Street and its owner, Scott Pluta. He currently has two units and rents one out. He also has a big side yard. Pluta's idea? To add a third unit to his home and three more in a building that would replace that yard. But San Francisco, like many cities, is in the throes of a debate over how and where to build more housing in a state that badly needs it. On Pluto's block, his development dreams have turned ugly, with his neighbors angry and accusations being lobbed back and forth. My colleague, San Francisco columnist Heather Knight, has been digging into the story. We're going to hear from her as well as from the homeowner at the center of the story, Scott Pluta. First, Heather, how are you? Good. Thanks for having me. Heather, thanks for coming on. We're going to play an interview you had with Pluta about all of this. But first, can you give us a quick setup? What's going on right now with this housing proposal and why does it matter? Yeah, so it was originally heard at the Planning Commission in November. They didn't like it, continued it, said um, if he wanted to have a chance of, of getting this through, it needed to be scaled down. So he spent most of the past year figuring that out. Now he has another plan, um, and he takes it back before the commission, likely in October. Um, neighbors are already saying they're going to oppose it. And Pluta is just pretty exhausted and fed up at this point. He kind of wishes he'd never bought this property in the first place. But it really goes to um, a larger question of how does San Francisco add the much-needed housing it needs all over the city rather than the same old neighborhoods, um, mostly in the southeast and downtown And how does it be more equitable in the way it does that? How does it retain the middle class and a diverse population without changing its zoning rules, which um, are decades old and make pretty much all the policies the city says it has impossible to actually accomplish? All right. We're going to listen to your interview with Scott Pluta, and then you and I will talk some more about what this all means. You started out, Heather, by asking him what his original plan was for the lot he'd purchased. The backyard of my house is actually not behind my house. But it's right on 17th Street, you know, and it's big and it's vacant. Uh, And to me, it's highest and best use. When I looked at it, it was not as a big vacant lot, but frankly, as some affordable housing. So in early 2019, I did some research and I learned that in order to add housing there, I would have to get a variance from the planning code. And over the last 20 years, I saw that the city had granted almost 90% of variances like mine. So I was very hopeful. And all our political leaders say, you know, they want housing. They want affordable housing. They want it near public transportation. My place is a five-minute walk from the Castro Muni. Um, And so I thought, what a great project. Right. And so um, my understanding is you would have turned the first floor of the building you live in into one affordable unit, and then the lot would become two market rate and one affordable unit as well. That's exactly right. Um, And the feedback I got from the city was that the new building that I had in mind uh, wasn't going to work. And so working with the planning department over the last year, I've going back to the planning commission in October with a a scaled down plan, which is a new building uh, with two units and the affordable housing unit in the existing uh, building. Right. Um, Then you realize the double drama that is the city's neighborhood associations and planning commission. (laughs) (laughs) So what happened when you started telling your neighborhood, your neighbors about your plan? I, I, uh, I was naive here. I thought I live in this part of town that went 80 plus percent for for Biden, the folks that I talked to around the, the neighborhood, you know, talk about kind of progressive values and all these things. And I thought, this is great. I will propose a project. 
It adds housing, it fits in with the neighborhood, and specifically, we'll get our first units of affordable housing in the neighborhood. You know, most people I've talked to were either neutral or positive. And uh, what I quickly found out was, you know, there was a long, I guess, entrenched group, a very small group of folks that lived near me, um, who's uh, very focused uh, on opposing projects just like mine. And so the planning commission in November, there was a testy hearing where some of those neighbors spoke and the planning commission ended up continuing your project and saying you had to basically bring back something smaller, right? That's right. Ultimately, the, the commission asked to scale it down. Um, I spent the last year doing that. I mean, the, the big loss, you know, the part that, that makes me sad is as part of scaling the project down for it to be you know, viable financially to actually build the thing. It had to go from four units to three units and had to lose, you know, the city was very clear. I cannot build uh, the affordable housing unit on the new lot. And so that had to get pulled out of the project. So at the end of the day, again, to me, the sad thing is we went from having two affordable housing units down to one. Um, Well, I talked to several of your neighbors who opposed the project, and it doesn't sound like they like the um, smaller version either. Um, They say that both versions consume too much garden space and rob them of their privacy, take away their sunlight and air. What do you say to their concerns? Um, You know, I could go a bunch of directions uh, with this. You know, the frankly, my immediate reaction is it feels like, and this is to nationalize it, there's just this loss of we're all in this together, that we all live in a city, you know, we're in a housing crisis, the teachers, firefighters, people can't live in the city. And it's supply and demand, we have to add units somewhere. And so when I hear that my, I would rather have my view than build a building uh, with affordable housing units in it, I can't help but think of Again, just this like loss of we're in this together and we live in a city and, you know, we need teachers that need housing and we have firefighters need housing. You know, it's hard to stay positive um, when you see folks like that acting kind of so nakedly self-interested, frankly. All right. We're going to take a quick break on fifth admission. When we come back, I'm going to be rejoined by San Francisco columnist Heather Knight to talk about this development in San Francisco's Corona Heights neighborhood. We'll be right back. You can support Fifth Emission and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. Welcome back to Fifth Emission. I'm Damian Bulwa, joined by columnist Heather Knight. We're talking about this proposal that is causing a lot of hard feelings in San Francisco. It's not the only housing proposal that is, but this particular one involves Scott Pluta, who you heard from. He's trying to add units uh, on this side yard to his house. The neighbors are mad. Heather, first of all, let's get something straight here. This is a home. He's trying to add a unit to the existing home, so it would be three instead of two. And then he's got this kind of unusual side yard. It looks... Kind of like a yard, kind of like a vacant lot, but it's got a, a very beautiful tree on it. He wants to replace that with sort of a row house, originally with three units. Now he's sort of settling for two. Right. Um, in, the, um, in the designs and pictures you can actually see on his website, um, the original proposal was 
called by neighbors the Berlin Wall. They thought it was way too big. Um, it was four stories with one unit on the bottom and then two units um, spread across the three floors above that. He's taken one floor off and also squeezed it and um, on both sides, taken some square footage out. Um, so the neighbors say it's better, but still not good enough. They um, Sounds like most of them would be fine with like one small um, in-law unit type situation out there, but they really don't like the idea of a big multi-unit building. Okay. So if I'm a neighbor and I'm walking by this property, of course, I love this kind of green side yard. I love this tree. I love the parrots, but why do <laughs> I have the ability to decide what goes on that lot? Well, you don't have the ability, but you do have the ability to make a lot of fuss um, at the planning commission, which some of these neighbors have done. And and like Scott said in our interview, a lot of people in the neighborhood do support it. It's kind of a vocal um, portion of the neighborhood that's adamantly opposed. Um, so uh, these folks have testified at planning commission hearings already and intend to do so again when it comes back. And... Um, Another, of course, another factor is that the supervisor, Raphael Mandelman, has been very pro-housing. He has a lot of pieces of legislation um, at City Hall right now that would change some of these zoning regulations. So on the one hand, he does say he likes um, projects like Scott Pluta's, but um, he's not doing a whole lot to um, to mend fences between Pluta and the neighbors, and he hasn't done much to tell the Neighborhood Association to back off. He's kind of staying out of it because he says it could come before the full Board of Supervisors eventually, and he doesn't want to seem partial. Um, but Pluta is wishing that Mandelman was backing him more because he's doing kind of exactly what Mandelman has been talking all year about the importance of, which is um, making it harder to build the monster homes for one family but easier to build the same size building for multiple families. All right, well, let's get into that a little bit. I mean, as you write, this could be seen as just one particular fight with this one particular person, but it happens amid a larger war across the state about multi-unit buildings. So why is this sort of a look into, into that? Obviously, there are uh, people that are for and against the idea of two, three, four-unit buildings. This neighborhood is zoned for um, two units per lot. And so um, Scott Pluta already has that. And even though there's this big empty yard, which he doesn't even really use much, um, he thinks that he should be able to build on it. And, but under the zoning codes, he can't do nearly as much as he would like. And even though he's really frustrated with the neighbors, it's really more the fault of San Francisco's zoning regulations, which are so strict in so many parts of the city, and um, make it so that housing is only built in certain pockets. Um, the recent census showed that al almost all of the people we gained in San Francisco over the past 10 years live on the eastern edge of the city on the Bay, Mission Bay, Bayview, Dogpatch, and hardly any new um, people are anywhere else in the city. And so even though city leaders say we want to spread that out and have more people be able to live in all parts of San Francisco, the zoning regulations make that really hard to actually accomplish. And that's something that Scott Pluta has witnessed firsthand. Okay, but let's take it from the complete other direction. Again, I'm a neighbor and I'm walking by this property and, you know, I want less there. I, I am worried about my property value, which I know people are and I say, hey, he's got to keep it to two units. Those are the rules. Yeah. Well, you're going to win because um, he really can't do what he wants to do under these zoning rules. His point is that the Planning Commission sometimes allows what's called variances or conditional uses, kind of 
saying, okay, you can do this one thing this one time. So sometimes these types of things are approved, um, but he's just not making any headway so far. We'll see what happens with his um, scaled down proposal in October, but the neighbors are determined to fight it and, and they do carry weight. Their voices definitely do carry weight. Let's get into the tension that that it raised. I mean, what were your conversations like with the neighbors? How bad is it in that neighborhood? Um, it was funny because I thought calling up his neighbors that none of them would agree to talk to me. He had given me their names and emails, and I just kind of put out the call pretty widely and was really shocked that they all <laughs> agreed to talk to me and gave really long interviews. They kind of vented. I felt like I was like their therapist or something. Um, but they are clearly so much pent up anger about this proposal. They really don't like Scott Pluta. Um, they believe he is a, a tech bro who's just in it to make money. They don't buy his um, social justice talk. They don't think he actually cares about housing middle-income people like teachers or people of color. Um, he says that's the whole point of his project, but they're just not buying it. Um, he is a lawyer. He now works at Google. He obviously has a lot of money if he could buy that property in the first place. Um, and so they just don't trust him at all. And um, he showed me some emails they sent, and they're pretty, <laughs> pretty firm, pretty unkind. Um, does your mom know what you're trying to do? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I find this disgusting. Um, but when I asked them about those emails, they said, yeah, I wrote that. That's how I feel. And they just went on and on. I eventually had to say, I have to go. <laughs> it's like the least surprising thing, though, isn't it, that that someone's proposal to build on this lot would turn into a big fight in a neighborhood in San Francisco. Yeah, it happens over and over. And there is, I always find it interesting that San Franciscans like to point the finger, like who's the real progressive. They all say they're very progressive. Scott says he is, the neighbors say they are, their um, resumes show that they are, um, their jobs seem to be, um, and what how they spend their time. But yet, um, they're all pointing the fingers and uh, just very heated arguments about race and equity and progressiveness. And it's just become way bigger than you could imagine about one proposal in one side yard. So for him, he's doing the right thing. For them, he's just profiting. He needs more units so mm -hmm. he can get more rent. It's interesting because he calls himself just a homeowner trying to do the right thing according to his progressive values. And they use the word developer. He's just a developer who bought this with the only intention of building as big as he could and making as much profit as, as he can. And so, I mean, both could be true. I mean, but it just depends, I guess. Yeah, I mean, on this is a city, Heather, where we see developers just go ahead and build, you know, without permission, right? Build more units. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, we've definitely written stories about developers doing crazy things, but I think he's <laughs> trying to play by the rules. All right, so the bigger question, it seems to me, is if this is going to be the tension every time on housing, if there's constantly going to be these battles over neighborhood character over how do you make it pencil out so the affordable units actually make sense. If we're going to fight about this when we try to go two, three, four units on one lot, how can we ever get anywhere? Well, that's the question. I mean, at this rate, we can't. But the state has said that San Francisco needs to build 80,000 new units um, by within about 10 years, or it could face fines and other penalties. Um, the state has... Um, has told cities all over California that it needs to do a much better job with housing production because we have this homelessness crisis, um, huge affordability crisis, and city by city we're not doing that much about it. And so San Francisco kind of has to get with the program, as do all other California cities. But um, but like we're saying, each fight is just so contentious that it kind of makes you wonder how this is ever going to get resolved. 
You think it's a preview of, of when we do debate these these laws about fourplexes? <laughs> I can tell you every time I write about the dreaded word fourplex, my email is very <laughs> packed. People have very strong opinions. I can only imagine. Well, Heather, thank you so much for coming on. It's an incredible story. Thank you. All right, you can read Heather Knight's column at sfchronicle.com. I want to thank her for joining us. Also, thank you to Scott Pluta for coming on the show, to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and thank you for listening. <laughs>